Welcome to Bible Idiots, the teaching platform for my husband, Chris Danielson. Today, the title of his message is Growing Up and Out of Your Cave. He's looking into the life of David, and he's starting in 1 Samuel chapter 22, verses 1 through 4. Now, just as a little warning, he's got a lot of scripture references in here for you to look up later to see how it all relates to the life of David. So Chris does like to bring in as many people as possible. He loves participation. So Kevin is going to start off by reading 1 Samuel chapter 22, verses 1 through 4. Okay, the reading is out of 1 Samuel 22. David at the cave of Adullam. David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all in his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him, and he became commander over them. And there with him were about 400 men. And David went from there to Mizpah of Moab, and he said to the king of Moab, Please let my father and my mother stay here with you till I know what God will do for me. And he left them with the king of Moab, and they stayed with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. Thank you, Kevin. Let me pray a blessing on the word. Heavenly Father, let these be your words to your children now. Let the truth come out as best as we know how. We need your help today, Jesus. Amen. All right. So a lot of times after a message is over, I get texts or calls or people stop by and we have coffee together here. You know, we have a coffee shop Monday through Saturday here. It's pretty cool. Um, and they always say, where do I go in Scripture? Some of the stuff you were talking about, you kind of went too fast. I mean, there's so many Scripture references. You can just, I can overwhelm you with that. But there is a need to take that next step in your own personal Bible study. So I'm going to give you some references throughout the morning today that you can jot down and look up later, okay? If you want to go deeper with what I'm about to talk about, because what I'm about to talk about... Uh, is growing up and out of your cave. We just heard about the cave that David was in. And of course, our text, of course, is 1 Samuel 22, 1 through 4. And when you read that, ask yourself, is this the very first ancient come-as-you-are church? Look at the folks who are there. We're going to talk about it today. But in the middle of cave experiences, God wants you to remember that he is God. And so there's only one thing to do when you're in a cave of life, and that's to grow up and grow out of that cave. Psalm 61, 1 and 2. I want to start with this as a, as a supplement to our other scripture. is because David wrote these verses in and around this time. He said, Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Do you ever get overwhelmed in life? Most of us do from time to time. The text finds David in one of those times. I don't know if you picked up on it, but he is in a dark, damp, dreary, depressing cave. And the message that was supposed to precede this one that I rejected to try to keep this in the 12 to 16 sessions, because we could go to 30, I'm serious. There's so much on the life of David, we could go to probably to 50. But the message that was supposed to be number five would have been about how David lost it all. 
David was in the palace. He had everything going for him. Everybody loved him. He had the favor of everybody. Success, every time he did anything, he fell backwards into success. And in a very brief time, he lost it all, and he's running for his life. He is alone. Don't miss this. He is alone, he is defeated, and he is discouraged. David is, one of, is in one of the cave experiences of life. What David did not see at the time but soon became, you know, understand, was the fact that God was behind it all and in control of it all. And that's hard for us sometimes to accept. David did not know it at the time, but God was going to use this time in the cave to actually help David grow stronger in the Lord. The day would soon come when David would emerge from that cave far stronger in the Lord than when he entered that time in his life. And that can be an example to those of us who can reflect back to a recent cave experience or even a faraway cave experience or the cave experience we're in today. There are times when we have life's cave experiences and we think all of our help and strength is gone. We feel alone. We feel deserted. Ever been there? Sure you have. In fact, some of you are there right now by your own testimony. Well, like David, when we are dwelling in one of the caves of life, we often fail to see the hand of God and what we are facing. But I want to remind you today that just as surely as God is behind all the blessings of life, listen to me now, he is also behind all the burdens as well. <gasps> it's true. I'm going to put three scriptures up for you guys to jot down and look up later. don't have time to get into them. Isaiah 45, 7, Psalm 37, 23. In Romans 8, 28 through 29. This first Samuel passage contains some blessings that we need to consider today. Here we can learn something about cave experiences of life and how we can come out of them stronger than we entered them. And I want to take this moment in this sermon series and we're going to pause today and we're going to talk about growing up and out of your cave. To notice the blessings that are contained in this passage, we first must deal with the facts on the ground. Oh, those pesky facts. They always get in the way, don't they? What is really happening here? What's really going down? Well, let's start with point number one today. Let's talk about cave realities. Let's talk about the realities on the ground. You want to know what David had in that cave? Oh, he had God, he had faith. No, David had sorrow, he had sadness, and he had suffering. David had been brought to the absolute bottom of life. He's hurting, he's broken, he's defeated. The crown prince of Israel is living in a cave, fearful for his life. He does not rest his head on the fluffy pillow of a feather bed at the palace. No, that's, that's a former life. Instead, he puts his head on a sad, sorry, hard, rough rock of a cave. He seeks rest in the damp, darkness of a forsaken cave. When we're in our caves of life, don't we seek comfort? And sometimes don't we try to find comfort and have other people share in that experience with us, rightly or wrongly? But he does not, when he flees, find comfort in the house of a friend. He didn't know who his friends were. He didn't know who he could trust. So he flies to the loneliness in a deserted, musty, smelly cave. Here's another thing to write down. Write down Psalm 142. It's pretty much common knowledge when he was in the cave that we're talking about this morning, this is one of the psalms he wrote. 
There are times like that ordained for each of us. Don't think you get away scot-free. You don't. We should not expect to get through this life untouched and unaffected by hardship and sorrow. As I'm walking with Jesus and I'm having these mountaintop experiences, all of a sudden, boom, we're brought down low. And I'm wondering, God, this can't be from you. But it is. In fact, the Bible is very clear about the matter of our suffering. Putting some more scriptures up for you to write down because I don't have time to get into them all, but they're there. Job 14.1, Job 5.7, John 16.33, Ecclesiastes 2.17, Ecclesiastes 2.23. Just if you want to get into the Bible study of it. See, just as they were for David, sorrows are part of our earthly experience. But let's turn the tables. I want to show you that we can thank God because we have a destination where these things can't follow us. And it's said in Revelation 21, verse 4, and I think it's a good time to show you this. It's why I'm here and why many of you are here. Because there's coming a day he's going to wipe away every tear from our eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. The reality on the ground of the sorrow, sadness, and suffering, God allowed David to come to this cave so that David would learn not to lean on what he just lost. What did he just lose? He lost his family. He lost his friends. He lost his finances. He lost his fame. And he lost the flesh and the future. That's from a pastor a lot smarter than me that put all those things into one letter. He lost it all. David was taught through his sufferings to wholly lean upon the Lord. You see, God was not trying to destroy David. He was not trying to discipline David. God was attempting to develop David into the man of God that the Lord needed him to be and to become. Who is Jesus Christ? What's one of his titles? Son of David. Makes David's reality a little bit more important to me anyway. It's like I want to know. This man after God's own heart, the line, the, the, the king of Israel, out of his line would come the Messiah, the Savior, who would take away my sins. See, God will do the same thing in our lives. To teach us to look to him alone, the Lord uses the hardships of life to develop us. God does not do this to break us. He does it to build us up. Do you get that? However, times of breaking up and tearing down often come before times of building up. Do you believe me? We're just going to do it. If you have your Bibles, open it. It's not on the screen. Uh, Device Bible, Hebrew 12. Hebrews 12, 5 through 13. I'm just going to read it to you because I just want you to hear it from the Word. I've got the NLT going today. There's a reason for that that's too deep to go into, but um, that's where I'm I just want you to hear it. Hear what God is saying to those of us who are having some cave experiences from time to time. Hebrews 12, uh, chapter 12, verses 5 through 13. And it says this, we're going to have to go old school like we're, you know, those, there's a lot of us that are old enough to remember. Do you guys remember when we didn't have audio video stuff? I remember being in a church and the d- dude put up one of those projector things with the, with the bubble light and he'd sit and write on it. 
And then, they, then they'd put up choruses and we'd sing the game. That's how old I am. We used to have to bring our Bibles to church. It was a crazy time. <laughs> Hebrews 12, listen and absorb and read along with me. I'm in the NLT, which is weird for me, but anyway. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? Question mark. He said, this is God talking now, my child, don't make light of the, world's, or the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his child at all. Ooh, that's harsh. Verse 9. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the Father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how, but God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. Isn't it awesome when God lets you actually do some stuff that you know you're, you're not really holy enough to do, but he has you do it anyway, and then he makes it successful in spite of your loserness. It's awesome. Verse 11, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful, but afterwards there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. So take a new grip with your tired hands. New grip. Don't strengthen your old grip. Get a new grip and strengthen your weak knees. Verse 13, mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. As hard as it may be to understand and bear, God uses times of affliction, suffering, and pain in our lives to train us to become more like the bright and morning star, more like the lion of the tribe of Judah, more like the son of David, the savior of the world, the king of kings and lord of lords, Jesus Christ. The reality is that when we're in caves, besides all those other things, we experience another word that starts with the letter S, and that's called separation. David had been cut off from his family, his friends, and his followers. He's in a place that prevents fellowship with others. David has been brought to the place where he had nothing and no one but the Lord God. That cave is a place of separation. And we find ourselves in caves as well, don't we? God will bring us to a place where we are alone with him and shut off from the rest of the world. And listen, we can get extremely put off by these times. They even often precede times of God's greatest blessings in our lives, but sometimes many of us are so spoiled and so coddled that we can't stand it when God does this stuff in our life. David alone in the cave. Read your Bible. There's a lot of people that he uses in this way. Learn to not diss your caves of life and look for God in the middle of your caves of life. See, David was alone in the cave. Jacob was alone in his tent. Elijah was alone by the brook. Job was alone, yet surrounded by so-called friends. Moses was alone on the backside of the mountain. And Jesus was alone in the agony of Gethsemane and Calvary. Each of these experienced their greatest triumph after that time of being shut up and shut off by the Lord. 
You see, there are lessons that are learned in the dark that cannot be learned in the light. And there are truths that can only be understood by those who are cut off and shut up with the Lord. In reality, cave times of life can be a blessed time of instruction and growth if you allow it. If you'll humble yourself long enough. You see, we may not like it and we may not understand it when the Lord has brought you to a place where you have no one and nothing but him, he has done you a tremendous favor. Why? Because he is more than sufficient. Because at the end of the day, when you get to know the real Jesus, you will realize he is your entire portion. And if you have him, you have everything. You, have, you don't have him, you have nothing. I have seen men much greater than I have received, have gotten to much more higher successful planes than I've gotten to, but I'm pretty happy that God allowed me to get to the planes I've gotten to. Let me tell you something. You get to any plane of any life that you're walking, and you get up there and you look around and Jesus isn't there, whatever you just accomplished doesn't mean squat. I still think of the movie Colors of Character. When we made that movie, I had to tell Steve Skipper's story honestly, and I wanted to honor Jesus. But they say that movie was a financial failure in print because director Danielson put too much Jesus in it. Look, you make your decisions, and when you make a decision that you're going to honor Christ before you're going to honor self, he will start to guide your path. He'll start to make your path straight. Some of you are looking at your path, and your feet aren't even moving. Start walking. Start walking. See, it can be a time of blessings and growth. Why do I say that? Because he is more than sufficient. He is more than enough. He will never leave you. Jot down Hebrews 13, 5. He is a faithful friend and a very pleasant help in trouble. Psalm 46, 1. Hebrews 13, 5, Psalm 46, 1. If you you want to continue this on this week in your own time with your own scripture. Let's go on to number two. What else happens in the cave? Well, you get unmasked. All your pretendingness floats away. Cave unmasking goes down harsh when you're in the caves of life. But understand this. During the unmasking, a couple things became apparent to David. His purpose and his character. In the unmasking, David's earthly support system was taken away one after another. And I I would say he probably began to doubt the promises that God made to him so long ago. I wouldn't put it past him. But after a while, people began to show up at David's cave. Did you catch that in the scripture? First, his family came. Then the defeated and downtrodden folks of Israel began to show up. David's family came out of fear of Saul. The rest came because they believed David was God's man for the future. They all cast their lot with David. They took all their chips and they went all in with this guy who's lost everything and is defeated in a cave. What's that about? Because God had a plan. God was going to use this motley group of folks to show David that he still had a plan for David's life and that anointing of of the prophet Samuel all those years ago was not a mistake. See, God seems to use your cave as a banner to write his love over your life. I don't know how God does it. I don't know about you, but when somehow... When I'm in my cave of life, he comes to me and confirms his faithfulness and his promises to me. And almost always it's through the word and through prayer. 
And, and what is prayer? Is that getting like that? No, it's talking to God. It's talking and communicating to God. And yes, we want to come with respect and holiness. But don't get so caught up in religiosity. Some guy tried to tell another guy, and I was standing there, and I mean, when I share what you, I did hold my tongue, which was a miracle. But he said, I don't think God hears your prayer if you wear your hat into the church. Well, I have no hope then. <laughs> if, that's, if that's the rules that God's keeping, I'm, I'm toast. See, God will come to you in that cave and he will put a banner over your life in the middle of it if you are honest with him. How is it that we can be dishonest with God when we're totally alone in our cave with him? I don't know, but it happens. See, if you are awake and looking for God in your cave, he will come to you and confirm his faithfulness and promises to you. He always uses the caves in a, ma- in a matter to do this. Elijah had his ravens, yeah? Moses had his burning bush. Jesus had his empty tomb. God has a way of showing us that it'll all be right. It'll all be okay. And then you go to his character. When his family and malcontents of Israel showed up, it probably added, added to David's burden at first. You know? I mean, Psalm 57 was written during that time, expresses that thought in verse 4, but let's go on. David rose to the challenge, and the truth of his character was relieved in what he did during those times. Did you hear that? His character was revealed by what he did, not what he said, not who he said he was, not how he influenced this person or tried to, tried to you know, do, just, his character was shown. He took measures, first of all, to care for his elderly parents. And then he rose up and led his men. In other words, instead of breaking under the pressures of the moment, David's heart was revealed and the leader rose to the challenge and led. But it took pain and problems to squeeze that out of him. Do you see that? Just as it was in the life of David, suffering and pain will reveal exactly what we have in our hearts as well. Take Job for an example. He suffered bad. Satan said, let me squeeze him and I'll get stinging lemon juice out of this guy. I'll prove that what he appears to be on the outside is all show. Let me squeeze him and he'll get sour. So he squeezed. And when he did, he did not get the stinging lemon juice. He got lemonade. Job did not get sour on the Lord and he just shouted in the devil's face and got sweeter. Chapter 1, 20, 21 of, of Job. What shows up from your heart when you get squeezed? Do you get sour and bitter when trouble comes? I do, sometimes. And the fact that I know what I know and that I know I get sour makes me even more sour. Does that make sense? It may take days or weeks or, you know, to shake some things. And I know better. I teach about this stuff, not just from study, but from experience after experience after experience after experience. Or do you display integrity in the middle of all this and keep on praising the Lord, knowing that he is in control and will work all things out for his glory? Do you do that? I can tell you, I do this as well. Thank God I do this as well. 
And every time I do, I know that when I somehow rise up from that awful cave experience, it was the Lord who created the sweetness and made the lemonade. And I praise him even more for it, knowing that I couldn't have done it myself. How about you? You get squeezed, what happens? People and how they act, suffering will expose your heart like few other things can. We had a guy who planted over 40,000 churches in, what country was Jackson Sinyunga from? And I was, what's next to Kenya? The one next to Kenya, geography people. This guy was amazing. We, the fact that we got to meet him and work with him for a little bit for a day while he was in Phoenix was pretty, pretty incredible. But he said something I've never forgot. He said, authentic prayer. Authentic prayer comes from two things. Desperation and devastation. When my sin devastates me, I go to the Savior. When we are devastated and in desperate situations, we go to the Savior. If we are really living in the end times, we should be desperate with the Savior with our praying and our studying right now more than ever. Because suffering is going to expose our heart like few things can. And then we get to find out when you're completely unmasked, what is your real level of commitment? Not what you say, not how you act, but really inside, it's dark, no one's around, you're by yourself, it's just God and you and you're dealing with you. Where's your commitment? In spite of the circumstances said about David and his situation, David held on to the promises of God. Held on to them. And I'm going to give you a scripture reference to jot down in a second. But David knew where to go to find refuge in the times of trouble. He did not give up. And when most others would have, he held on to the Lord and the promises of God. Does that not give you encouragement? It sure does me. He knew God would come through in God's time. One of my biggest problems that I have is that God does not want to get on my time calendar. He sees my day timer. I write down my goals. Come on. God laughs. Oh, you spoiled little brat. More to learn. See, that we could display that kind of commitment in our own hearts and lives when the pressure is on and not turn on the Lord. Remain committed to him. He knows what he is doing and he will not fail you, so let's do all we can not to fail him. See, nothing demonstrates our level of commitment to God than our continued obedience and faithful service, even when we are in one of the caves of life. You want to come out that cave? Stay faithful right now. Now's not the time to lay down. Paul and his attitude is in Acts 14 and 2 Corinthians 4, also Psalm 57, um, you can write those down for future study right there. And uh, you'll see. Let's go on to the last point of the day. Cave strong. Cave strong. There was renewed strength all over these couple verses that you're seeing. Okay? Caves make for hard living, but they are not altogether bad. There are some incredibly cool and strengthening discoveries to be made in the caves of life. 
Without some of the caves of life, I can tell you without question, we're not standing here in Harlan, Iowa. And God called us here. As far as I know, we've been faithful to the call to the best of our ability. And I believe that he sent us here because of some of you. Because some of you are going to come out of your cave so strong and you're going to do so much stuff that God put me and my wife here to be people who will help you in ways that we can help you. See, there's a renewed strength of his family. David's family comes to him in that cave. Now, who are these people? Here are people who used to doubt David. His own father ignored him in 1 Samuel 16, 11. His oldest brother, Eliab, publicly dissed him and criticized him. That's in 1 Samuel 17, 28. Now, they see in the man before them, God's man and God's choice for the king. And they the one that they formerly would have passed over is now the one they turn to for help. Do you see that? It seems that the caves of life have the potential to bring out the best. And as a pastor, I have seen many people suffer horrible things. And I'm always fascinated, and I say that in the most respectful way. I'm fascinated by how people respond to the pain they are called upon to bear. I have seen some people crumble under the load. They have literally fallen apart and sunk down into the self-pity pit. The reason I think I can help people like that is because I've done the same thing. So because I know what that pit looks like, in fact, I probably was there before them decorating, I can relate, and that's been helpful in this role. But there have been others who I can also relate to who, despite the great load of suffering they were forced to carry, rose to the challenge and tapped into the source of strength they did not even know they possessed at the time. And they were changed by their experience, and others were changed by watching them go through it. You see, it's not the storms you weather that define you. It's the way you weather the storms. This is the game, and this is hard to play. In fact, I'm going to just tell you a little secret. It's impossible to play in your flesh nature. The strength of the Holy Spirit working in and through you is how you see success, to be able to handle storms in a godly way. That's why we have grace for everybody, because when they don't in this situation, well, you probably did in two situations before. You get it? That's why those of us who've been dragged through the mud... When we see a mud on other people, we want to show them where the garden hose is to, to spray off. We don't, we don't want to condemn them for being muddy because we were muddy ourselves. Make sense? Years ago, an old writer was present when he, he watched an older lady die. She had gotten sick very suddenly and she slipped into a coma. The doctors told her family that she was dying and nothing more could be done for her. Her poor old husband sat near her bed in his wheelchair and he would talk to the wife. He would plead with her to wake up. He would beg her to get better and stay with him. This went on for several days. Then one night while the writer was in the room, the old man got up out of that wheelchair, kind of stumbled over to his wife's bed. He leaned over. He kissed her cheek and said, it's all right. You can go now. I'll miss you, but I won't be very far behind. He sat back down, and within just a few hours, that precious lady was in the arms of Jesus. Her husband rose to the challenge that night. He won a newfound respect in the eyes of all who saw him enter his cave 
and pass through it and come out the other side with purpose and dignity. David's followers also got renewed strength. Do you see it? These men who gathered themselves around David were there because they were fed up with Saul. The distressed came to David. This word means to be under stress and under pressure. We are also told that those who were in debt came. What does that mean? They could not pay their bills. And then there are the bitter. The bitter also arrived. That word refers to those who are discontented and who have been mistreated. Here is a group of hundreds of people, about 400 is estimated, who have suffered under the tyranny and taxation of Saul, and they are fed up. Now, as David gets up and out of the cave and all these different things start to happen, the numbers of the people as they grow and, and ebb and flow comes down to, and I'll get to it in a minute, 30 and two sets of three, but that's another story. See, these people had nowhere else to go, and they're absolutely fed up. And they go to David. Why? They go to David because they believe he is God's man for Israel. And I'm sure David could not see in his life what they saw. At that time, David could only see defeat and discouragement. While David could only see the cave, those who came to him could see the crown of Israel on his head. They gathered themselves around him and believed him in, even when he was down. Man, thank God for the encouragers in life. Thank God for those people who see the potential in our lives when we can see nothing good in our lives. Barnabas was that kind of friend to John Mark, or Mark, depending on translation you got. In Acts 15, 35 through 41, it's not going to be on the screen, Barnabas and Paul, two mighty warriors for the Lord, they split up over this kid. Okay? Now, Paul would not tolerate whatever John Mark did and did not want this kid around at all. Well, Barnabas said there's value here. Now, as you jot this down, this split had a huge impact on John Mark. I believe that that's why in 2 Timothy 4.11, Paul's at the end of his life, he calls for him. And specifically says he is worthy to do service for the kingdom. And what did John Mark do? He wrote the Gospel of Mark. Well, yeah. You think he wrote that himself? No. It's widely understood that Mark is actually Peter's Gospel. See, God has a way of putting people around us who can serve as encouragers in our life, and then we can be used for God in ways we never thought possible. I praise the Lord for everyone who's ever looked into my life and saw potential there that I could not recognize. What an encouragement they have been to me. So much so, I desire to be that in the life of many. It's not a secret. If you haven't picked up on it yet, let's just talk about it plainly. I love cheering people on. I love when someone pushes for excellence in anything. And I love it even more when they are successful. One of the most confusing things of my life, I must have been six, seven, eight years old, and it dawned on me that the people that were talking in my kitchen with my mother were not happy for the success of somebody in the neighborhood. And I, I, for the life of me, I was confused. I could not get my mind around why they were acting that way. My dad was an incredibly um, 
positive guy. Like, he would just not say negative things about people. Uh, ah, why not? I did a stand-up comedy bit about my dad for years. You guys want to hear it? It's not part of the message. My dad was so positive, he'd never say nothing bad about anybody. My brother and I would always try to trip him up. So one day, the newspaper came, and the headline, we looked at it, and we looked at each other. We're like, we got him. We got him. We got him. So we run in there, we stuff the newspaper under his nose, and he reads the headlines that says, Man buries 27 under front porch. And my dad said, well, he sure wasn't lazy and he was a homeowner. Yeah. That's a joke. Because you can also be too positive. You can have so much rain, rainbows and sunshine in your face that you can't see the problems. And sometimes that's a happy place to be. But a lot of us would rather be grounded in reality because life is hard and forces us to be grounded in reality. So I want you to join me in that behavior. And I want to tell you why. Because when you start encouraging other people, when you start just cheering other people on, when you start recognizing good things in people's lives, and you just allow yourself to verbalize it to them, it will change your life. Why? Because in 2023, we swim in a sea of negativity. Our culture grooms the most to be snarky in the most natural way. Change that and look for positives in people, and it will actually change you for the better. I learned this as a sales professional, as a young kid, that I would look for anything when I'd walk into the room. It didn't matter what it was, a, a picture, a football, the shoes they were wearing. Oh, dude, where'd you get those shoes? I like those. You say stuff like that, and immediately it endears you a little bit closer to the person. Now, guess what you can do with this talent? You can turn it into full-on manipulation, where you're faking it, and you're playing along, and you're just doing stuff. to. Be no. Let God speak through you. And don't say you like their shoes unless you really do. Find something else. But always be on the lookout for what's positive going on around you. It's an amazing power that God works through you, and you will live better. I always try to make cashiers, when I see that they got this awful look on their face, I always try to make them laugh, you know. Um, ever go to Starbucks or Chick-fil-A and they ask you the name for the order? Let me tell you the name you need to use from now on, the one I use. Lord McButterpants. Or you can just call me the Lord. And they always laugh. They always laugh. And... <laughs> and when they don't, which is maybe, and I shouldn't say always, 99% of the time they laugh. The one time she didn't laugh, I felt really, really stupid. <laughs> For a second, maybe two, and then it was over. See, because maybe God is calling you into that kind of world for his glory. Because every time I benefit from stuff, I always look to see who gets the glory. And when God's getting the glory, it's much better and much sweeter every time. See, the cave, can, the cave can give you an experience of focus, of focus, which I just lost because I had a falling sensation. I don't know if you picked up on that. All right. Look, going through the pain and seeing all of the earthly support system taken away was a painful experience. Having to flee from the palace, hide in a cave, any of you had to do that? 
I can't relate to that kind of humbling, but it had to be extreme. However, in that hideaway, God began the process of transforming David into a great king. God took that ragtag band of men working through David, transformed them into, do you know, the mighty men, David's mighty men. Do you know what they had a name? Do you know what their name was? The 30. The 30. (laughs) Do you wonder why there's a 30 in some of my email addresses? It's on my race car. It's on every jersey that's ever been bought for me for my kids. I have a North Stars, a Vikings, a Twins jersey. They're all, they all have 30 on them. That's my number. And when I made this my number, we were married on the 30th. I always pointed back to the 30. I just want to be a mighty man for God. That's it. And the odds for me are long. Now, when I took 30 on as my number because of that, Emily would tell people at the racetrack, no, the three is for Dale Earnhardt, the zero is because he's a big fat zero. (laughs) So that's when I would tell them, no, uh, it's 30 because that's the day we got married on the 30th. See, and everybody would do that, and then she'd feel bad, and I'd feel like I won until I got home. (laughs) (laughs) The 30! I love the 30. These men and their exploits are named and outlined in 2 Samuel chapter 23. 2 Samuel 23. And there's so much in there. There's like two or three years in just that chapter of what's going down, maybe even longer. Because God sent these men to David in that cave. David was able to get his mind off his problems and focus his attention on leading them and training them to be a fighting force. Oh, it was a humble beginning. But David was focused, and soon he would walk out of that cave and accept the crown of Israel. If there is any one benefit of the cave that stands out, it's the fact that caves have the ability to focus our priorities. When we get into a cave experience, we soon learn what is important and what is trivial. The caves of life, real life, help us focus like nothing else. Unless you let it beat you. And if you let it beat you without turning to Jesus after hearing this message, look, don't you see? All throughout Scripture, God has given us one example after another after another to follow. Peter was all over the map, hot, cold, before he entered his cave experience, but when he came out of that cave, he was focused like a laser. Acts chapter 2 is one of the greatest things in the history of the world. When loser, loudmouth Peter got laser focused coming out of his defeat. And he preached a sermon where 3,000 people got saved. See, that is what the cave will do for you. It'll tighten your focus into which is important, which is what. This is it. Here it is. Big crescendo. Show-stopping number. Here it is. Finding and doing the will of the Lord. Finding and doing the will of the Lord. Sometimes I think that is why the Lord sends us into caves. Jonah, I mean, if you get spit up by a great fish on the shore, maybe you're going to do what God told you to do. Even Jonah didn't have any enthusiasm. Repent or die. And they all repented. And when they repented and got God's forgiveness, Jonah was kind of, kind of sad. Oh, man, we should do a Jonah series pretty soon. Sidebar to Jonah. Uh, 
oh, whales don't have a throat big enough to, to swallow a man. So Jonah and the whale stories, that proves the Bible's false. Um, it doesn't say whale. It says great fish. And in 2012, in the Pacific Ocean, they found a great fish undiscovered, and this thing was huge. In fact, its throat was measured. You could drive a smart car almost down to its tail. Why is this not public knowledge? It's out there, but it's been stuffed because it's another thing that proves that the Bible's good. Look, here's the God we serve. Not only will a great fish grab Jonah and swallow him, and three days later spit him up on shore. But if God wanted to, in the ancient culture, he could have a sofa and a mini-fridge inside that great fish for Jonah. Wouldn't have been hard at all. Wouldn't have been hard at all. See, and if the caves of life can do that for all of us, Jonah and all of us, then can it, can it really be that bad? If Jesus is the Lord of my life in such a way, then I will grow up and grow out of those cave experiences. And yes, there are times where you, as soon as you get out of one, you go into another. I understand that. I understand depression's a real thing. I, under, I understand all that. But David entered his cave a broken and defeated man. He emerged as the captain of an army of men, including the 30, and including both sets of the three. I don't think I'll ever be a, a three like Ben and I and some of those other guys, you can read about them. But I want to be a 30. See, David went in running from a crazy king, and he came out reaching to take the crown. The cave redefined David's life and helped prepare him for the task that lay ahead. He grew in that cave because he submitted to the Lord of creation, the keeper and hope of his daily life, including life in a cave for however long that lasts. What about you? Are your cave experiences burdens seem too heavy to carry? Or are they a blessing to your life? If you need help de dealing with a cave experience in your life, you need to find that help in the presence of the Lord. Get to him and get what you need today. And if you say, Chris, I don't know how to do that, come see us, we'll help you. That's the whole part of the leave change thing. You come as you are. And you leave change. Now, don't misunderstand that. That means that this is only for the unbelievers who come and then they leave changed having known Jesus Christ. No, I don't read it that way. I read it that all of us, if once we've accepted Christ, a target goes up on our back and the enemy starts to pound on us and sometimes we flee to the caves of life. And in the middle of that fleeing to the caves of life, there's a place at 945 on Tarkington Street where I can come and dress any way I want. They give me a free donut, it's free coffee, and I get to worship Jesus, and I leave refreshed. I leave changed. Come find what you need from the Lord today. Grow in him. And let's do this thing together. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you and thank you and praise you. We ask that you would just reach into the hearts of each person hearing this message. Be with us and keep us as we move forward, move this church forward as best as we know how with your help. Go with your people now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the teaching ministry of my husband, Chris Danielson. BibleIdiots.com is still the website for this show, but we have grown. The new parent ministry is found at freshroadmedia.com. 
We would love to have you join us on our sister broadcast, a talk show that walks out Christian living and Bible apologetics entitled No Apology with Emily and Chris, a weekly download from FreshRoadMedia.com. Both broadcasts are listener supported and we would love to have you join us as the Lord leads. I'm Emily Danielson and thank you so much for spending some time with us today and may you see the blessings of the Lord as you go and serve your King.